Eastridge Presbyterian Church must have one mind. Eastridge Presbyterian Church must have one mind. Now, what that means, we need to understand, but this is biblical language, so we need to understand what it means. What does it mean that the church must have one mind? Look with me at chapter 4, verse 2. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. I plead with, let me read it one more time, I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. These are women's names. They're two women in the church in Philippi. Paul, in his letter, this letter was, had been written to the entire church, and it would be a letter that would be brought into the worship service and be read to the entire congregation. In this letter, he put this, this statement. I plead, and he, and, and he, and he mentions, he, he, he doesn't even just say, I plead with Yodia and Syntyche. He, he makes a point of, of giving the same language to both. He's not taking sides. He's not uh, preferring one. He's not arguing for one. And another thing about this is, is that when Paul mentions someone by name, usually he doesn't mention those, the false teachers or enemies by name. He does very rarely. But usually if he's mentioning someone by name, it's someone that he loves. It's someone who's a fellow Christian. It's someone who's a fellow saint. It's someone. So this is not some kind of horrible rebuke on these two ladies, but there is a problem. There is a problem that needs to be addressed. Um, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche, two women in the church at Philippi that Paul knew well. We know he knows them well because of verse 3. He says, yes, and I ask you, my true companion, that's a third person, who we don't know who that is, but there's a third person, to help, I ask you, my true companion, help these women. Who are the women? Euodia and Syntyche. Help these women since they, Euodia and Syntyche, the two women, have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. These are my fellow ministers. These are people who with me have ministered the gospel and worked alongside me, Paul's saying. When I was in Philippi, these two women were important to me. They worked with me and, and others. Uh, he, then he goes on to the rest of the verse to mention Clement and others. Um, and so these are Christians. These are women that he can sit. These are not false teachers. These are not, uh, you know, people who need to be kicked out. These are, these are dear saints in the Lord, two women Christians who had been ministers of the gospel, ministering the gospel along Paul's, sides, uh, along Paul's side in Philippi, uh, working with Paul and many others, Clement and many others, it says, uh, Paul says. Um, and and uh, he wants them... Um, there's some kind of disagreement. There's some kind of problem. We don't know what the problem is. We don't know. We don't know what the issue is, but something has come between them. Something has divided them so that he says, I plead with, you're going to get tired of these names, and uh, feel free to use them for, for any babies that are coming soon. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord, in the Lord Jesus, which means because of your common bond in Jesus, because you both are saints, because you all both are worker, members of the church, workers of the gospel, daughters of God, one in Christ, because of this bond you have in Christ, you're one with Christ, you need to, be, you need to, to have a, the same mind. You need to have one mind, have the same mind. That's what he's saying. Why is this so important? Why does Paul mention two women by name and a problem they're having when he's, when he's addressing the whole church 
um, and ask a third person, the, Paul's true companion. We don't know who that is. Uh, some people, I've seen arguments that it was Luke. I've seen arguments that it was Silas. I've seen arguments that it was Epaphrodites. I've seen other arguments. We don't know. It doesn't matter who it is. But there's somebody that when Paul said, my, my yoke fellow, my true companion to the church in Philippi, they knew exactly who he was talking about. They knew exactly who Paul was addressing. And Paul's basically commissioning that man, whoever he is in the church in Philippi, to help Euodia and Syntyche to come together, okay? Um, and your Bible may say, your translation may say, to agree in the Lord, which makes it sound like they have a disagreement and they just need to agree on the issue. They need to, they need to talk it through and come up with an agreement. That's n- it says be of the same mind. Agreement is there. The idea of agreement is there, but it's stronger than that. It's be of the same mind, okay? Be of the same mind in the Lord. Um, And these two women were so important to the church in Philippi that their division, whatever's happening there, is is hurting the church. It's a problem in the church. Two people in the church are separated. Um, And and I shouldn't even say they were so important. No, any two people in the church, didn't matter who it was, uh, if they're separated inside the church, they're divided from each other and they're in the same church, um, there's a problem. There's a problem with the church. There's a division in the church. There's a lack of oneness in the church, a lack of unity in the church, because this brother and this brother, this sister and this sister, this sister and this brother are divided from one another. Um, they, they, uh, they have separated somehow in their hearts and minds from each other. Now, if you doubt, if you're saying, why is he taking this verse about two ladies so specific and applying it to the whole church? Why would J.R. have made the claim East Ridge Presbyterian Church must have one mind, must be of the same mind. Well, because way back in chapter 2, verse 2, he uses the exact same language, and he addresses it to every single member of the church. He says the exact same thing. Listen to this. This is chapter 2, verse 2. Paul says to the whole church in Philippi, complete my joy by, by being of the same mind, having the same love being in full accord, and he says it again. He actually uses the word mind again, of one mind, the whole church. So when he gets to Iodia and Syntyche, he's just telling these two ladies something that he's already told the entire church. He's bringing an application. Some people even think that the reason Paul wrote this letter in the first place was because of Iodia and Syntyche, and he builds his whole, because everything, all the themes of the earlier chapters, why I encouraged y'all uh, to read chapter 1 through 3, because all the themes of chapter 1 and 3 uh, fill, come, culminate in this verse about Yodi and Syntyche. You think it's just a toss-off, like, well, that doesn't matter. Move on to the more important stuff. In a way, all the themes are rising to this very concrete, specific situation between two women, two, two gospel workers in the church there uh, in, in Philippi. Um, it, it rises to this, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. There's that language of one mind, one mind. So the church must have one mind. Another way you could put that is the church. Sometimes that word there is translated attitude. The church must have one mindset or one attitude. We're not talking about, for those of you who are nervous about this, that we're talking about some kind of uniformity of thinking, uh, some kind of 
1984 Big Brother thing we're going we're gonna to start in- implementing. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that everyone must intellectually agree on every single topic that there is of theology, of Bible interpretation, of politics, of uh, social issues, of this, this, that we must agree on every single thing. And that's what it means. That's not what we're talking about. I'm going to explain. I'm going to bring up three things from Philippians, from this book of Philippians, three things that it means for us as a church to have one mind, okay? There could be other things we could pull from Philippians or other parts, but I'm just going to pull three today um, and, and talk about these, okay? So the first one is the East Ridge Presbyterian Church must have one mind. Number one, that means we must have one agenda, one agenda, one agenda. In chapter 1, verse 27, Paul says this, that the church should be, the church in Philippi should be, listen to the language, standing firm in one spirit with one mind. Are you getting tired of that expression already? Paul loves the word mind. Whenever he wrote the, 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 the book to the Philippians, he, was, he really loved the word joy and rejoice, those words, and he really loved the word mind. He used it constantly. The church should be standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Aha, one agenda. What's the agenda? The church should all be on board with the agenda, which is getting the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, getting the gospel of Jesus Christ, making sure our children know it, making sure each of us know it, but making sure the world out there knows it as well. That's our agenda. That's the agenda in Matthew 28, that Jesus left with his church, that's the agenda we've been left with. If that's not our agenda, then we don't have one mind. We have, lot, we have different minds. We have different agendas. And what happens is when you have personal agendas conflict with each other, if, ever, if people bring in, even if two people bring in their own agendas to the church, their own personal agendas, conflict, division in the church. The church isn't one. The church doesn't have one mind. But if you have 10 people or 20 people, or God forbid, everybody is coming with their own agenda for what they think the church should be doing, what they think should be going on here, what they think, what they want from church, what they, that kind of thing. If everybody has a different agenda, instead of the one agenda that Christ has given us, this, this agenda with one mind striving side by side, which is what Paul, by the way, says about Euodia and Syntyche, that they, they were with him side by side for the cause of the gospel. He, that's exactly the language he uses about them. That's what they had been, and somehow they'd gotten off track because something had come between them and they lost, or because they lost connection with this. We don't know. I'm not going to, I don't know what their sins are. They're in heaven right now, enjoying, you know, eternity with, with, with Jesus Christ, and they will be raised with us on the last day. So um, uh, we'll see them one day and maybe find out what their, what their, what their, their problem was. Um, but, but these are, these are good ladies that have, that have had a problem. Um, ladies that God has been using and continue to use. So if everyone has their own agenda, then we're not one. Um, imagine, you know, if you have a restaurant and there are, um, you have a restaurant and there's, you know, maybe 20 staff at this restaurant or something, not, a, not an enormous restaurant, but a, a good-sized restaurant, and every single worker in the restaurant, from the head chef to the waiter, you know, to, the, to all the assistant cooks and the way, I, don't, I never worked in a restaurant, so I don't know all the positions, but, uh, you know, another something called a sous chef, that, that, that guy too, and the waiters and the dishwashers, if everybody in, 
working at that restaurant has the same agenda to give every single person who comes through the door today a wonderful meal and a pleasant experience. If that's the agenda of the entire restaurant, that's what everybody wants to see happen, then you're going to see a good restaurant. You're going to see something amazing happen. You're going to see a restaurant that, that everybody's working together on this. We want to give whoever comes through that door, we don't care who they are, we want to give them a wonderful meal and a pleasant experience while they're here and do whatever it takes to make sure that's the case. But if a few people come with another agenda, they don't care about this restaurant. They don't, get, they don't care about the meals those people are getting. They want, they want to make a few dollars. You know, They don't want to have to work too hard. They want whatever. If anybody's there with a different agenda, it starts to pull down on the rest. It starts to pull down on the quality of what's happening, right? And if everybody is divided, it pull, it's maybe only the chef wants that to happen. No one else cares. Then it's going to pull down on the, the work that's being done there because they don't have the same agenda. They're divided. There's not one agenda. Is our agenda at East Ridge Presbyterian, do we have one mind in the sense of we want to contend for the gospel? We want to strive together for the gospel of Jesus Christ and teaching that gospel to our children, to one another, and to the world out there and get this message of the gospel to unbelievers. Is that our, is that our agenda? Um, the second thing one mind means, one humility. One humility, okay? Right after... Paul says that thing that I read where he said he told the whole church to have the same mind, the same love, and one, and one mind, of one cord, one mind, all that stuff. Right after that, which is chapter 2, verse 2, he explains what he means in more detail. Chapter 2, verse 3, he says this, do nothing from selfishness or selfish ambition or empty conceit, but with humility of, can you guess? Mind. It's actually, a, it's actually a compound word. He takes the word humble and the word mind and smashes them together and makes up a new word. Um, humility of mind. With humility of mind, regard one another as more important than, your, than yourselves. Chapter 2, verse 3. So, one humility. If one person in the church puts himself above the others, separates himself from the church in a sense from the unity of the church by raising himself above the other people in the church, raising himself above the other people in the church, um, acting out of selfishness, um, wanting focus on himself, acting out of conceit or arrogance, pride, wanting attention on herself or himself. If anybody does that, um, then they're, 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 they're wrecking the unity of the church because the church is unified by humility. It's unified by everybody being about everybody else. Everybody being there to serve all the other ones. Everyone being there considering the others more important and there to put themselves um, at the, you know, around for the other people and to put themselves not above any or separate themselves, but all to be a part of, of each other. Um, I have a ridiculous illustration of this, and hopefully this illustration will connect. If it doesn't, just, uh, just skip it, okay? I forget I even said it. Um, so you've got this family and I heard about this one time. You got this family, and they're taking um, a family picture. Okay, you're going to take a family picture. Mama wants a really nice picture. She wants everybody in white. Everybody dressed in white in this nice family picture. Okay, so everybody, mom, dad, five kids, all in white. And it's going to be a beautiful picture, a beautiful family picture. 15-year-old son is a Vols fan. 
I already hold that against him, but we'll, go, we'll just move past quickly. He's a Vols fan, and he doesn't like, want to wear white. He wants to wear his bright, gaudy orange sweatshirt and his bright, gaudy orange ball cap. And that's what he wants to wear. He doesn't care what mom says. He's not going to wear that white shirt, those white pants. That's ridiculous. So he comes to the picture in that gaudy orange sweatshirt. And that, uh, I've got to stop, stop saying gaudy. That's offensive to 95% of us. So, okay, that, that orange, that bright orange, let's say bright, that bright orange sweatshirt and that bright orange hat. And what has he done? He's separated himself from the rest. He's lifted himself above the rest. When you look at that picture, what are you going to look at? That bright orange sweatshirt and that bright orange hat. That's all you're going to see is this blotch of orange in the middle of the picture. He's separated himself. He's, he's, this is just an illustration of, of separating yourself from what's going on. Uh, humility instead, we, are to, we don't separate ourselves from everyone else. We don't lift ourselves above. Because lifting yourself up is, is, is leaving the unity. Instead, you, you, you're humble. You're, you're, at the, you're, you're humble before everyone else. You put, everyone else is more important than you. Um, and you consider their needs, their, their things just as important. Uh, um, okay, so having one mind is having one humility, the church all sharing in the same humble attitude, the same humble mindset, the same humble attitude. Thirdly, one love. This language that you, you heard already, because I read chapter 2, verse 2, that, you, that language was already used. He said, with the same love. He actually used that term when he said, one mind, one love. Then he says, one spirit or in accord, one. And then he says, one mind again. Um, so, with one love. And that love that you share, the one mind of the church is, of East Ridge Presbyterian Church, another way of this one mind is that we should have, we should all share in love for the church. Love for the church. Love for the church. And when I say the church, I don't mean the institution. I don't mean this building. I mean all the individuals of the church. Love for the church is not love for a faceless mass or love for an institution, or love for the worship service, although, you know, we, we, can, we can love some of those things, but it's love for the people of the church. And what is love? The way Paul defines love in verse 4 of that same chapter 2 is this way. Listen, this is a, there's different ways we can define love. This is one way to define love. Listen to the way he defines love here. He says, let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And some, some translations too, translated a little differently, and they say, let each of you look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Of course, we're supposed to, to a certain degree, take care of ourselves, but still, the emphasis here is that loving the church means looking to the interests of the people in the church. That's what loving the church means. That's what having a, the love, of, the love, a love for the church, being one mind is if you love the church and I love the church and you love this church and, I, and by, by this church, once again, we mean the people, the human beings, the boys and girls, the men and women in this church. If you love the church, these people who have been saved by Jesus Christ and are part of this church, um, then we're of the same mind. We have one mind. We have that mind of love. Love for the church. And that unites us. And what, and what love is, is looking out to the interests of others, both the spiritual and the physical, uh, you know, and emotional, and all, just the, the need. Interest meaning needs, the needs of other people. Looking to the needs of other people. Um, so 
if everyone goes to the church, listen to this for a minute. If everyone goes to the church, and that means, um, when I say goes to the church, I mean you go to be with people in the church, whether that is you and one other person having coffee, whether it's your family going and eating dinner with another family, whether it's a small group with eight people sitting around together, whether it's a Bible study with 15 people sitting around together, or whether it's something else or it's a worship service with a lot of us together in the room. When you go to be with the other people in the church, if, if your focus is fixed on getting my needs met, I'm here to get my needs met. I'm in this worship service. I'm in this small group. I'm meeting with this one person. I'm in this Bible study to get my needs met. I need my, I'm here for myself. I'm here for my needs. Um, if that's, we need to get our needs met by the church. We need to get spiritual help. I'm not, we're, not say, we're not saying that. But we're saying if that becomes your sole focus, it can easily in the church be, I'm here to, what am, I'm not getting enough from this. I'm not getting what I need from this. I'm not getting, instead of, I'm here at the church to help other people, to see how I can meet the needs of others, find out what the needs of others are and how I can meet their needs and how I can help them with what they're suffering with or what their lack is or what their need. So if you come in with your focus fixed on getting your needs met, and that's all you're thinking of, and many people, that's what they, when they go to church, that's what they come in. They say, did the sermon help me? Did the singing lift me up? Did, you know, did, this, did, did I get this? Did I get this? Did I get this? Well, that was a bad, that was a bad experience because I didn't get it. Was that the only reason you were there? You're there, you meet with other people in the church, you get together with other people in church for, for many reasons, the Word of God being the most fundamental. But, but uh, part of it is, as Paul's instructing us here, is for you to meet the needs of other people in the church, to find out their needs and meet their needs. Now, uh, years ago, maybe 10 years ago, I don't remember exactly when this was, I, uh, some of you may have never seen this show, but I'm sure many of you have. There was a show called Parks and Rec. And there were these meetings in Parks and Rec. It was, about a, it was about a park service and a government park service. And so the people of the parks department, would they would hold a meeting where they would sit at a table and they would at, invite the community to come in and tell them what they didn't like about the parks or uh, what, what they wanted from the parks. And it's as a comedy so it was absolutely insane. Like the most insane people you can possibly imagine came to the meetings and would make complaints about absurd things. And it was, just, it was just to be amusing. It was just a funny thing. Or they would make demands. I want this. I want this. The parks must have this. The parks must have this. Or, and, just, it, and it was really fun. They, every, they, did it, it was, they did it from time to time on the show and it was always hilarious and very funny. Um, imagine that kind of meeting, a meeting where... Uh, as everybody is coming to the meeting, everybody's coming to church, everybody's coming to the meeting with their demands and their complaints. I don't like this, and I want this, and I want this, and I'm here to talk about myself and what I want. Or imagine a public meeting. I've never heard of such a meeting, but there may be such things, where the public gets together, and the, 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 the leader figure of the meeting begins to read about needs in the community and then waits for people sitting out, in the, out there in the gathering to volunteer to meet the need of, some, of, a, of, a, of a fellow member of the community. And, just, and that's all they do. They just, they just read the need of some soul in the community and then wait for some other soul that's there in the meeting to volunteer to help the need. That's, 
what the church is. It's an, inquir- a need, an inquiring after what are the needs of my brothers and sisters. So to have one mind is to have one love, and love, and love defined as look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. That's why you're bonded. You, you, some people will say, I don't need the church. I've got sermon podcasts. I've got praise music on, on my phone. I don't need the church. I can pray on my own. I don't need the church. You, you realize that's not, the, that's not the whole thing, right? That's not the whole thing. You're supposed to be going to church to meet the needs of others. You're there to find out the needs of Jesus' people, God's sons and daughters, what their needs are, and, 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 to, and to meet their needs, both spiritual and physical, and to help them with those needs. Um, that's, that's why you need, that's not the only reason. But that's one reason. Don't hear me as saying that's the only reason. There are many reasons. That's one reason why you need to be connected to, to a church and be connected to the church. Um, so one love, one love. And that love is love for the church, love for God's people, the members of the church. Okay. Just like Euodia and just like Syntyche, just like me, you all are sinners. And we've all done this. We've all split from others. We've all parted company with a brother in the faith, a sister in the faith, because of disagreements or irritations or whatever it was, whatever it was, because you were pulling this way and they were pulling this way. Um, uh, People, um, this happens in the church all the time. People storm out of the church and leave the church forever sometime. Not that everybody who leaves the church, that's the case. Believe me, that's not the case. Many people leave church for, for legitimate reasons. But, but uh, there's all sorts of uh, this, this kind of division, this kind of break between. I've, I've had people in the church tell me that I just avoid that person. <laughs> or tell me, I don't, I don't, uh, I, uh, uh, just, I think it's just better if I don't talk to that person. I just, I just stay away from them. Um, is that one mind? Is that, is that, is that, is, does the church have one mind? Does it have one humility, one love, and one agenda? Are we all partners together in this? Are we all one? Um, you, you have split from others, but remember the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're forgiven. You're not, Yodi and Syntyche were not kicked out of the church. They, Paul did not say, take Yodi and Syntyche and kick them as far as they will go. Tell them to depart from, the, no, he said, my friend, my, my loyal yoke fellow, Silas, whoever it was, Luke, um, the argument for Luke is really strong, so it may have been Luke. Luke, um, help those two ladies to get back together. Help them get back together. Um, don't, they're Christians. They're saying, all Christians do this. We all split with other Christians. We, do the, we all do this because we're all selfish from time to time. We're all uh, conceited from time to time. We all separate ourselves and raise ourselves up from time to time. We all get our own agendas and want to go our way and want what we want all the time. We all uh, think about ourselves more than others all the time. We all do this from time to time and maybe even often. And so we, we, we separate from the church and pull apart from the church. We all do this, but remember the gospel. Jesus' agenda is to forgive sinners and to transform their lives. That's Jesus' agenda, to forgive sinners, you and me, and to transform our lives, and that's a process. So if you've done this, there's forgiveness, 
and continual transformation. There's, there's help to change. There's help to continue to move forward. Number two, Jesus humbled himself for sinners. This book is the book. I didn't read it. I, every sermon on Philippians wants to go back to the, to the, the gravity of, 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 uh, of Philippians 2. Uh, the late uh, five through nine or five through 11 or whatever it is, uh, that, that hymn about Jesus Christ. I didn't read that today, but that talks about Jesus humbling himself, how he humbled himself for sinners. Jesus, who was the son of God, who was the son of God. This is not like you and me humbling ourselves. This is a completely different kind of humility. The son of God becoming a human being and dying on a cross for sinners. That's, a, that's another level of humility that we can't even begin to fathom. We're asking to humble ourselves, but that's a whole other ballpark of humility. And that's what's supposed to, when we understand that, when that works on our hearts, that's supposed to draw us into humility. And number three, Jesus has deep affection for everyone in his church. He's already forgiven their sins, and he has deep affection and love for everyone in his church. Uh, he loves them because he's died for them and they belong to him. And that agenda of Christ's, that, that humility of Christ and that deep affection and love of Christ, if we keep our hearts as Eastridge Presbyterian Church on the gospel, on what Jesus does, his, the mighty deeds of Christ, what he did, what he's doing, what he will do. If we keep our, if our hearts on Jesus Christ and the mighty deeds of salvation of Jesus Christ, it's going to work on us. It'll, it takes time, but it's going to work on us. It's going to work love in us. It's going to work love for his church. It's going to work humility. It's going to work that agenda into our hearts as well, that we want to be a part of what Christ is doing. Christ is taking forgiveness to sinners and transforming lives, and we want to be a part of the amazing thing that Jesus is doing in the world. If we keep our hearts if we remember the gospel daily for ourselves to remember that we're loved, to remember that we're forgiven, to remember that like Yodi and Syntyche, we may have sinned, but there is, there's reconciliation and there's healing there uh, in this life, even this very day, um, then we will have one mind. If we focus on Jesus Christ, we'll have one mind. And I've left one verse to this point. I said this sermon was all about four, uh, what was it, four, three, um, four, two, my bad Four two was our verse for today, but I've got one other verse that we're going to end with, which is another heavy verse for this. And this is the verse, and I'm not going to read the entire passage, but just this two, five, let the same mind, mind, your, your translation might say attitude, but be aware the word is mind behind that. Let the same mind attitude or mindset be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Let the same mindset be. That's where the one mind is. It's the one mind of Jesus Christ. It's the mind or attitude or mindset of Christ. If we come together, we can come together as one when we have the one mindset of Jesus Christ, which is this attitude of humility and love for the church and this love of, of and this agenda and mission uh, to unbelievers and to the world. If we have that, um, if we have that mind, the mind of Christ, then we will have, we will, we will find unity in Jesus Christ. But we have to keep our hearts and minds on the gospel. We have to keep our hearts and minds on Jesus Christ and what he has done. Sometimes what we think is we want to skip over the gospel to ethics 
and just talk about what's right, what's wrong, what we need to do, what we don't need to do. But the problem is you lose, you lose the, the heart of it, the heart where you're getting the love to love people, where you're getting the humility to, to, to be humble before other people is from Christ and, a, and, a, and your attention upon Christ. It's Christ. It's the glory of Christ. It's the perfection of Christ. It's the love of Christ. It's looking at Jesus that changes you. And the more your heart and eyes are on Jesus, the more you begin to become like him, little bit by little bit and little by little bit. Um, and so we've got to, and, and where do we, we see that in the gospel message, what Christ has done, who he is and what he has done. And then we'll be able to say, and I'll end with this, with Paul. These are, this is Paul's expression, something Paul says early in this book. He says this. He says, for God is my witness. So he's saying, I God can testify that what I'm about to say is absolutely true. And then what does he say? He says, God is my witness. I want to tell you something, Philippians church. You're, the apostle Paul wants to tell you something. I want to tell you something. And God is my witness that this is true. This is what I want to tell you. I long for you all, all, every one of you, with the affection of Christ Jesus. That's quite a statement. He says, I long for the church in Philippi, all the Christians, the boys, the girls, the men, the women, all of you, Euodia and Syntyche, my loyal yoke fellow, Clement, all of you. I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And what he's saying here is somehow Paul has imbibed, has taken into his own heart Jesus' affection and love for his own church in Philippi. How much Jesus loves them, Paul has taken that into his own heart. That has become his love. He says, I long for you with the affection of Christ. I have Jesus' love. Jesus' love. Jesus showed his love in his dying on the cross and becoming a man and dying on the cross. He showed his love for his church. And I have that love for, that love has become real in me. I have that love for the church, for all of you, he says, in Philippi. Now, that's the one mind. That's, the, that's having the mind of Christ is having the love of Christ. It's having the same mind. So remember our, our, our summary statement here. Eastridge Press must have one mind, one agenda, one humility, one love.